Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where I hope that you'll gain both the tools you need to grow your business and the motivation you need to create your dream life. I'm Haley Luckadoo, motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, huge lover of Dr. Pepper, and of course, the host who will be introducing you to the phenomenal women sharing their stories and expertise to inspire you, help you succeed, and set your soul on fire. If one of your goals for 2020 is to rock your email marketing, then girl, I've got just the thing. Email marketing used to be a pain point for me because I have tried every platform out there. Now I use Flowdesk, a new platform that is changing the email marketing game. I could tell you a thousand reasons why I'm obsessed with Flowdesk, but you'll have to see for yourself. You will fall in love with the beautiful templates, easy to use interface, and having unlimited everything. That's right. If you get on board right now, you get unlimited subscribers, emails, workflows, and forms for life. And the best part, if you enter code Haley, you get all of this for only $19 a month. Again, for life. Seriously, just enter code H-A-Y-L-E-Y and you'll lock in a $19 a month subscription for an unlimited amount of everything Flowdesk has to offer for life. That's an unbeatable deal for your business and your peace of mind. 2020 is the year to change your email marketing. So head to Flowdesk, enter code Haley, and make it your best year in business yet. Welcome back, Females on Fire. I'm super excited for this week's episode because I just think it's such a powerful topic to talk about. Today, I am chatting with Jessie Beyer, and she is a speaker, mental health advocate, and the author of How to Heal, her new book that comes out on May the 5th. Jessie has been featured in dozens of media outlets and has spoken to thousands of people across the country, and she helps those around her feel valid, heard, and appreciated in their mental health struggles and design lives that they love waking up to. And today, I am chatting with her all about the topic of shame. We're talking about those really shameful moments that we have in our lives, you know, how we feel about them, why they happen, and why sometimes those shameful moments can end up being the best thing for us and how we can really use them to propel ourselves forward. So it's a hard topic to talk about for sure, but I think it is such a good one. And this was such a powerful conversation between Jesse and I. So I'm so excited that we get to share it with you. Hi, Jesse. Thank you so much for being on the show with me. Haley, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. I'm super excited about this whole conversation because I think it's something we all deal with. I know it's something I can personally relate to, so I'm just thrilled to have you here. But before we dive in to the really good stuff, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you and especially how you got into the work that you're doing now? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I am a speaker, author, and mental health advocate. And my journey to getting where I am is very twisty and turny. I'd say my journey in entrepreneurship in general started when I was 14, actually. I coordinated three iterations of a run-walk fundraiser. So I guess it wasn't totally business. It was more charity, but that was my first time you know, putting on an event and managing social media, designing a website, looking at fundraising and sponsors and all those different things. And that was a great experience, but I was 14. So, you know, I went through the rest of my high school experience during which I really struggled with my mental health. And that kind of set the foundation for what I do now and why I do what I do now. So I got into college and it was a really cool experience. Actually, I was accepted into veterinary school in Scotland. So my first year, out of high school, I moved halfway around the world to Scotland for veterinary school for that first year. And for the first probably two or three months, it was fantastic. It was so cool. I was in Europe. The accents were amazing. I mean, all of those typical 18-year-old touristy things. But as far as the academics of it, I learned really, really quickly that I was just not in alignment there. I was feeling really unfulfilled, really unstimulated, really stifled. And I just, it was not a good fit. It's like trying to shove on your jeans from when you were 10 years old. It was just not working out. And so after a lot of deliberation and in that deliberation were a lot of feelings of, am I a quitter? Am I a failure? Or am I just being self-aware and realizing that this isn't for me? My mental health was struggling. My relationships were struggling. You know, everything was just kind of going down the drain at that point. I finally decided I need to get out of here. This is not a good environment for me. So I left that school and went to go become a paramedic. So I got my EMT's license and then my parents were like, no, you got to go back to school. So I went to the, back to the University of Minnesota to finish my bachelor's degree in psychology. And during that time, I was like, okay, why well, I still have this desire to save lives and to make an impact and to do all of the things that I've been trying to work towards my whole life, just kind of shifting the execution of it a little bit. And so I decided to go into the military as a pararescue man, which if you're not familiar with that career field, it's in the special operations community. And it's a mixture of a trauma paramedic and a search and rescue specialist. So when I discovered that career field, it felt like coming home. That was the right thing for me. I felt so in line with that. I was all on board, you know, full steam ahead. But unfortunately, when I got to the uh, medical exam, you know, they have this like 130 question medical background thing that you have to go through to get into the military. Once I got there, I realized that I was ineligible for military service because of my struggles with mental health in high school. So that again brought up this huge kind of internal conundrum of do I take my dream and give up my values of honesty and telling the truth and integrity and things like that? Or do I stick to my values and give up my dream? And that took months for me to figure out. It was, you know, every single day I'd wake up with a new decision in mind. But eventually I did choose my values over my dream. So I said goodbye to that career and then kind of sat on my butt and ate a lot of ice cream and cried for a while while I figured out what the heck I was supposed to do now. And luckily, when I was in vet school, I kind of started dabbling in entrepreneurship again. And I had been speaking and I'd done a little bit of writing and stuff like that. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm passionate about this too. I can still change lives with this. So I'm going to go full steam ahead with my business and see where that takes me. And here I am. So I'm, I'm still kicking. I think it turned out okay. And I also have the opportunity to be a canine search and rescue handler on the side, which fulfills that part of me that wants to make that direct life-saving impact. So that is my story. That is all of the twists and turns that got me to where I am today.
I love that. The thing I really love is just, I mean, everything you said was so relatable. It was like, well, I just, you know, I had this main focus of just wanting to help people and to save lives and to do something that makes a difference. And you knew that's what you wanted to do, but so many different things fall into that category. And so, you know, you were just sort of almost trying everything a little bit. You know, you said you went to be a veterinarian in Scotland and and then the EMT and then the military. And like, you're just doing all of these different things. And I think like we can all relate to that in some kind of way that, you know, at some point we, we sort of get this goal or this kind of dream that's on our heart, but we have no idea what it entails or what it looks like. And so we just start, you know, kind of throwing noodles at the wall, like trying to get something to stick, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I, I love how relatable that story is, but I, I love that in telling that story, you know, it sounds like, yeah, you probably had some moments where you doubted yourself and some moments where maybe you were feeling really down about it. But for the most part, I mean, you're a super resilient person and that's, that's a trait that I respect so deeply because that's a really hard thing to be, especially when things just keep going wrong over and over and over again. So I just think that's awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I just want to touch on one thing you said really quickly. It was a big lesson for me to learn that throughout that whole process, I was actually staying true to myself. I'm sure you can imagine, and maybe you've had the same experience that you know, when you're changing direction slightly, or maybe it looks like a lot, you're going to get all these well-meaning family members and friends being like, you don't know what you're doing. What are you doing with your life? Yada, yada, yada. But looking back on it, maybe in the middle of it, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing with my life too. But when I look back on it, I can say every single shift I made brought me closer and closer to my definition of fulfillment. And that was my guiding compass the whole time. It wasn't just like random this and random that, and let's try this. It was really actually quite focused. And I think for a lot of people who are in that situation where they're trying different things and, you know, this didn't quite work, this didn't fit right, this roadblock came up, whatever that is, if they're able to stay true to that concept of fulfillment instead of that exact execution of fulfillment, they're going to be just fine. Yeah. And that's a great point too, that you've got to, I mean, you've got to find some reason to keep going and something that keeps you moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even when everything's going wrong, you get told no, you know, something happens that you feel like sets you off course. You've got to have, like you said, that guiding compass that, that keeps you moving in the right direction. So for you, that was staying true to your values and, and becoming fulfilled. And, um, you know, for somebody else that could be their family and making sure that they're, um, taking care of them and, and things. Like, so it can be different for everybody, but just having that thing that, helps you say, okay, you know what, this didn't work out, but I'm meant to do, you know, this main goal that I have. So how can I now do that, mm-hmm. um, in, in a different way? So I, I love that. That's a really good point. I think, I, I think that'll hit home for a lot of people. I know it hits home for me and you, you know, cause so many people, they, they get this idea in their head, they have a goal and they say, okay, I really want to do this thing. And then they go find one way to execute it and get told no or get shut down or, or fail or it doesn't work or, you know, whatever. And then they're like, okay, well that didn't work out. So I guess I'm just a failure. And, and they go back to doing something else. And then they live with this, you know, the, the shame of, of 
the fact that they failed at it or the fact that they weren't good enough for it or, you know, whatever that looks like for them. And they, they live with that without ever trying a different way to go about the goal. So that's one thing I I really love about your whole story is you just, you know, you had this focus, you knew what you wanted and you said, okay, I'm just going to find another way to do it. And I just, I really respect that. Thank you. Yeah. And it's so true. I mean, when I talk about goal setting with people, I always look at, let's start with those more abstract concepts before we get to the goal. So what does fulfillment look like to you? What does success look like? What is happiness, adventure, freedom, whatever those words are, start with those. Because sometimes, like you've said, like I said, that execution is going to have to shift. And if you have those values first, you're going to make it another way because you know how important that is. Whereas if you start with, I want to be a doctor because it's X, Y, and Z. If you can't be a doctor for whatever reason, you're not going to have those values necessarily to back you up or you will, but they'll be so attached to that one option, that one method of execution that you're not going to be able to find another way or even see the value in trying to find it another way. Mm, That's a good point. That's a really good point. So let's talk about that shame for a second. Did you, you know, I know that you had this, this goal in your head that you wanted to help people. You wanted to find a way to to make a, a big impact on the world. And I know that, like you said, that, that fulfillment and, and trying to find that for yourself was what really pushed you forward. But did you feel shame about, you know, those areas that didn't work out, especially, you know, when you sat there trying to choose between your values and, and your dream and, and you're going back and forth every day and you're making a different decision every time. And, and basically somebody saying, Hey, because of something that happened to you a long time ago, you don't, you don't get to go after your dream if you tell the truth. So, I mean, did you, did you harbor some kind of shame about that? I felt shame at literally every single turn that I made. So starting back in vet school, I'd say that was probably the most shame I felt because just to give a little bit of context, I graduated high school with a 3.997 GPA. I had 40 college credits. My mom has a master's from Yale. My dad has two bachelor's degrees in aerospace engineering and computer science. So I was in a very academic driven environment, which is great. You know, I mean, I'm not begrudging that, but what that did teach me as I was growing up was that you don't quit. Academics are first. You do not quit at any time. So when I got to vet school and I was like, well, I'm done. I'm, I'm throwing up the white flag that was so hard for me. And I felt so much shame. It took me probably six or seven months of feeling that way to actually tell my parents that I was feeling that way and that I wanted to leave. Like I felt this way in probably October. And I don't think I told my mom was out for spring break and I didn't tell her that. So it was probably April or May before I even told my parents that I was feeling this way because I was battling those feelings of shame and being a quitter and a failure so much. That was so difficult. And then being in that military position. Yeah, that was so hard as well. And I think I learned a little bit from my time in vet school with how to manage that shame. So it wasn't quite as severe, but again, just give a little bit of context. There has been no woman that has ever made it through the pararescue pipeline. And at the timeline when I was training, no woman had ever even attempted. So I was in the running to be the first female pararescue man in the world, in all of history. And I was training with guys. My recruiters were guys. It was a very male dominated environment. And I had a lot of those guys saying, I believe you can do it. You know, I honestly think you could be the first. And I fully believe that myself. I still to this day think, you know, that I could have been the first. 
And, you know, I'm sure every single woman who's ever going to try and doesn't make it says the same thing. So take that with a grain of salt. But (laughs) I truly felt in my soul that I could have been the first. And then having to drop off from that, you know, and I, I thought for so long, I was like, what do these guys think? They must think I'm a quitter. They, they don't think I'm good enough. You know, they believed in me and now they don't because I'm no longer here and I gave it up and I didn't want it enough. And all of these feelings were in my head. And there were so many times that I wanted to just try to justify, like reach out to them and be like, Hey, so I know I was there and now I'm not, but this is why. So don't think badly of me. And you know, that's not a good headspace to get into. That'd be a waste of time. But there was so much shame attached to that because of the expectations and how demanding of a career field it was and things like that. So yeah, I felt shame at pretty much every single turn that I made in my journey. Wow. That's a lot to live up to too. You know, you were talking about your parents, like that's a lot to live up to. So I don't, I don't know if your parents had big expectations for you and if that played into it at all, but, um, just hearing that, I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't feel shame it for something not working out, you know, because I feel like anytime we have parents or a sibling or any kind of family member or even friend who has, you know, a degree, has accomplishments, has a business, has, you know, some sort of quote unquote level that they've reached. A lot of times we feel like there's these expectations on us that sometimes nobody's even setting on us. We just sort of set them on ourselves. Um, so just hearing like all of these things that your parents did, you know, I imagine that would be extremely difficult to tell them. And you said it took you months. So that's, that's so crazy. I feel for you. I really do. And (laughs) I kind of have a similar story to your, your schooling part, because I, when I was in high school, I was the same way. I had tons of college credits. I had a great GPA. I was, you know, 100% on the college track to the point that I almost didn't have a life in high school because I was so focused on making sure I got into college. And my plan was to go to my dad's alma mater. I wanted to go to the same university that he went to. And I had a backup that I was going to be a hundred percent okay with because it was just as good of a school. And then I didn't get into either of them. And yeah. And, and I, you know, even to this day, I'm like, I should have gotten in because I had the GPA, I had the clubs, I had the, you know, uh, I was captain of the dance team and just all of these different things that I had great essays, everything that should get you into a good college. I had it. And so I ended up going to this like backup of a backup that I didn't even want to go to. And then going into my senior year of school, I actually didn't get to finish because I was a full financial aid student and they cut my financial aid and I couldn't afford to finish. So after harboring this like resentment for years of not getting to go to either of the schools I wanted to go to, I ended up not even getting a college degree. And that's ultimately how I ended up starting my business, which is a whole really long story. But for years into my business, then it became this shame of not being a college graduate. And I felt like I had let my dad down. I felt like I had let myself down. I felt like people looked at me differently and judged me differently because I was in business and didn't have a college degree. And, and I held on to that for so long. And so I, I think all of us have, you know, something like that where we can relate to that shame that you felt and that you held on to, because I felt like that was sticking with me for so long. And it took a lot to, 
to get through that and start saying, you know what, this is not something I should be ashamed of. If anything, the fact that I'm essentially a college dropout has, has made me more resilient. It's made me work harder. It's made me, you know, do all of these extra things that I probably wouldn't have done in a business that I probably never would have started if I had the college degree. So I, I feel you there, but I, I had to ask, cause I know, you know, shame is one of those things that once you've got it, it's really hard to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's kind of what I want to talk about next is for you, what was the process like of starting to maybe not necessarily let go of that shame, but start to kind of, you know, recognize that it wasn't your fault. It wasn't something that you needed to be harboring and holding on to. And how did you use that to kind of get to where you are now? Um, sheer survival, honestly, is what it was. I mean, it got to the point where it was, it was either stay in this situation that is not right for you and you know, it's not right for you. And it is deteriorating all other aspects of your health or face up to that shame and get on with your life. And it got to that point kind of in multiple, multiple times. I mean, definitely in vet school, it was like either stay in this career that is not right for you, this place that is not right for you or just tell your parents and deal with the consequences. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I don't want to think about how bad my mental health would have gotten if I stayed there for the rest of the degree program. I mean, it was already going down the drain and I don't even, I mean, I'm honestly might not be here if I stay there the whole program. So it really got to the point of, do you want to live your life or do you want to avoid the shame? And that's what got me there. But the biggest thing with all of this is that there is no timeline on overcoming shame. And I thought for a long time before I really got into these positions that, okay, you feel a little bit embarrassed, you feel a little bit whatever, and then you shift and then you're fine. And it's not true at all. I mean, I, to this day, will see pictures of my friends who are in the military on social media and will start crying. I went and saw the final Avengers movie this past spring and cried through the final fight scene. It just like, it still hits home when your dreams don't work out for certain reasons, even years later. So if you are listening and you're in this position where you're feeling shame for one thing or another, A, don't wait as long as I did to face up to it because your life and your health is worth more than avoiding the shame. Um, But also don't feel like you have to get over it in a certain amount of time. You can still have these feelings and these struggles years down the road, maybe for the rest of your life, but recognize that you can still pick yourself back up and be happy and successful and fulfilled if your execution has to shift. So it's very complicated. There's a lot of well, feel this, but don't feel this and do this, but don't worry about not doing that. And, you know, there's all these different moving pieces, but just do what is going to align with who you want to be the most and just accept all of the onslaught of emotions that's going to come with that. I love that. I think that was really a a powerful statement and a, a nice reminder that everybody's journey is different. And I, I love, you know, what you said about I think a lot of people, when they think of the shame that they have and they think of getting over that shame, I think it's really hard for a lot of people to realize that that's a really long journey. Mm. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because, you know, I've even seen it with my own friends and colleagues where they really hold on to something for so long and then they decide, okay, I'm going to like go of this, you know, they go to therapy they start doing all of the, the mindset work to, to let go of that shame. And it doesn't work right away. It doesn't even work, 
a year or two or three later. And so then all of a sudden they're harboring these feelings that, okay, well, because I can't let go of the shame fast enough, there's something wrong with me. And so now they're holding on to shame about the fact that they can't let go of the shame. (laughs) Yeah. And it's this like vicious cycle that you can't get out of sometimes. And so I'm really glad that you mentioned that because it's just a reminder that, you know, it doesn't matter what your shame looks like and what you've been through. Everybody's journey is different. And it's this really long process of not even necessarily learning to let go of it, but learning to cope with it. Um, and, and I'm the same way. There's just certain things that, that, you know, can kind of trigger you to, to remember those sort of bad memories or, or to make you feel those, um, you know, emotions that are really strong. And, and so it's hard a lot of the time to feel like, oh yeah, well I've, I've let go of it now and I've moved on and I'm, I'm good. And then all of a sudden something triggers you to remember that. And you're like, oh, maybe I'm not good what's wrong with me? Why can't I get over this? So I I think that was a really great point and a really powerful thing to remember that, you know, getting over shame is literally a lifelong endeavor. You know, it's something that you're going to have to constantly keep working toward, even when you feel like you've already done the work. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. And it just, it, you brought up a really good analogy for people who struggle with their mental health alongside feelings of shame and things like that in the trauma healing world. And I, I actually wrote a book on trauma healing. So that's kind of why I'm, why I'm bringing this up. But in the trauma healing world, you talk about triggers and you talk about coping mechanisms for dealing with triggers when they come up. And the whole point of this is that you will learn so many strategies and work through so many blocks for triggers that you're experiencing now, but you cannot prepare for every single trigger. You can't. I mean, there's just so many things that could put you back in those memories. And so you're going to go, five, 10 years, and you're going to be great. You're going to be doing so well. And then there's one situation happens, or this person says this one thing, and you're tossed right back to the beginning. And it is so, so easy, like you said, to sit there and be like, oh my God, all this work I've been doing has not healed me. I'm no better off than I was. But the truth is you are. It's going to be longer and longer between moments that you get tossed back into that shame and those emotions. And every single time you do get tossed back, you're going to have the coping strategies to get back up on your feet even quicker. So you're going to have those emotions. You're going to have those moments where you get thrown back and it's like, I'm no better off than I was. But if you're able to say, okay, well, let me just take a breath. Even that step is better than where you were. Okay. Now let me stand back up. That step is better than where you were. The time it takes for you to get back on your feet is going to be shorter every single time. But don't think that, right. I've healed. I've checked that box. I'm done. Whether that's shame or trauma or depression or whatever that is, that's almost never the case. So don't try to place those unrealistic expectations on yourself. Mm, I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah, that's a a really good point about the the triggers and that you don't know what's going to trigger you. Because I think so often too, like we said, you know, you'll do all this work and then something will trigger you. But I think a lot of the time you had no idea that trigger was coming. You know, it's, it's not something you ever would think would trigger you. Like if somebody said it to you in a conversation, they were like, Hey, this is going to bother you in a couple of days. You'd be like, nah, I'm over that. It's this, that's not even going to get to me. I promise. But then it happens and you're like, Oh my gosh, like it, it really, it really did. It really did get to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Who would have thought that the 
freaking Avengers movies would have me crying in the middle of the movie. Right. right? Like, I never would have, I mean, I've seen all of them up until then in like the last month because my boyfriend and I binged it during that time and all of these things and it was great. And then stupid Chris Evans is standing in front of the entire <laughs> Avengers team and he's like, Avengers assemble. And I'm like, oh my God. And like start crying in the middle of the movie theater. It's just it's the things like that, right? It's like, who would have thought that the Avengers movies would have been like that for me? But I, yeah, you're totally right. Yep. Everybody in that theater is like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> not the I'm sad part, but all right, sure. I'm that girl. Yep. That's me. Yep. I love it. Love no, it. we're all, we're all that girl at some point, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere along the line. We're all that girl. Yeah. I love it. I, I think this is probably a good place to wrap up because I mean, we just, barely graze the surface of this conversation and, and all the different, you know, parts that you could dive into around shame and triggers and all of these things. But, um, I, I think that's a good stopping place because it's just a nice reminder for everybody that we're all on a different journey. You can't compare yours to anybody else's, you know, like you said, the shame that you're feeling, you've just got to decide that it's time for you to face it and face whatever emotions and consequences and, and all of that that comes along with it and just decide that you're going to move on with your life and having, you know, those values that you talked about is, is crucial to being able to move forward. So I just, I love this. I'm so excited about this conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, since it's the end of the episode, I always do a fun little lightning round to just close it out. And it's just a couple lighthearted questions that, uh, I think our, our audience really enjoys hearing. So are you ready? Yes, let's do it. All right. What does your morning routine look like? Um, well, I wake up and I try to get my dog to go to the bathroom and she doesn't ever go to the bathroom first thing in the morning. So that's kind of our start to the day. Um, but more, I guess, importantly, I do a little journaling routine every morning. So I write down three affirmations. I write down an intention for the day. And then I do a little bit of a meditation connecting to energy, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, um, exercise. I love that. I love journaling. I think it's so, so much more powerful than a lot of people realize. I know. I yeah. know. I know. And hey, I was one of those people. I did not journal for so long. I thought it was ridiculous. And then I started and I was like, oh. Same. Yeah, I like same. I was exactly the same way. And now I'm like, oh, I love doing my, my morning journal. It, it sort of sets me off on a better day and it makes me feel better and, you know, all of these things. So I'm in the yep. same boat. All right. What is the last book that you read? Uh, actually, I just finished one yesterday. It's called Stop Getting in Your Own Way by Jacqueline DiGregorio. And Jacqueline is a good friend of mine. This is her second book. And yeah, I just finished that yesterday. Oh, I love that. That sounds good. I'll have to look it that is. It's up. A, it's a really short read. It's like 10 chapters, 180 pages or something like that. But it's great. It has a lot of her personal stories. And it's 10 chapters of like, stop doing X, Y, and Z if you want to get out of your own way. And it, it's a good book. I really like it. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I'll definitely look that one up. All right. What is one recommendation that you have for everyone? So this could be like a product that you love using or a service you love using or just um, an item you have that you couldn't live without, but something that you feel like you recommend to everybody that everybody has to have. Yeah. Okay. So full transparency. I listened to a bunch of your old episodes before this and I heard everyone else's answers to these questions and they're all <laughs> these like, practical things that are going to make a difference in your time management and all of this stuff. And now I'm going to come on and talk about sweatpants. <laughs> That's the one yes! thing that I recommend to everyone is there are these fully fleece sweatpants from REI 
that I live my entire life in. So REI fleece sweatpants. I think they're like called Teton fleece pants or something. I don't know exactly what they are, but they are my bread and butter of life. So yeah, sweatpants. <laughs> is it okay for me to say that this is now officially my favorite episode <laughs> we've ever done yes. in the whole world <laughs> simply because of sweatpants? Oh yes, my gosh. I, I love it. I am right there with you, girl. Like I, <laughs> I'm such a sweatpants person. I, you know, I am one of those people that I'm like, I will do meetings where my hair and makeup are done and I have on a cute shirt and then I have sweatpants because they can't see the sweatpants. And yeah. I, I literally live in my favorite sweatpants. And, you know, every other girl that I know is like in really cute leggings. Oh, I know. And the <laughs> yoga pants. And I'm over here in these big, baggy sweatpants that look like they went through a war and, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I love it. And I, I want it no other way. So I am, I am right there with you. We are going to get along really well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Last question. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Who, um, that, everything I'm feeling is exactly what I'm supposed to be feeling at the time. And I know we talked a lot about shame and maybe that's why I'm pulling this piece of advice out of my brain right now in this rapid fire question. But I, for so long was the strong one, the leader. I didn't break down. I didn't cry in front of people. I didn't open up and learning that every single emotion that I'm feeling, even the bad ones, even the good ones is exactly what I'm supposed to be feeling. And that it's there for a reason to guide me through something that I'm working through that really let go a lot of that shame and here comes shame again, but a lot of that shame of feeling those negative emotions. Mm, I love that. That's you're right. That goes right along with everything we were talking about. And it's so, so powerful. So I, I love that. That's such a good one. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. What's your website, social media. Definitely talk about that book that you mentioned. Yeah. I know you're excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on social Instagram and Facebook mostly at Jesse Byer International. That's Jesse with an I and Byer with a B E, not a B U. My website is also jessiebyerinternational.com. So pretty easy to find there. And then my book, I'm super excited for. It comes out on May 5th and it talks about nine natural and integrative trauma therapies that you can use. So basically anything that isn't talk therapy, I talk about in my book. And not to go off on a huge tangent here, but that was really important for me because when I was in high school and I was struggling with my mental health, I went to literally one day of therapy, of talk therapy, and ran out of the building because I was so uncomfortable and never went back. And I didn't even know that these other therapies that I talk about in my book existed. And there's a lot of people out there that avoid therapy and avoid getting the help that they need because they're so uncomfortable with talk therapy. So I wanted to put something together that was like, hey, this is what I wish I knew when I was in high school and was struggling with my mental health. Find something in here that works for you and that you can finally you know, learn to heal and have the life that you deserve to live, even, you know, after all the trauma that you've been through. So that's a brief overview of that. I'm so excited about that. And if you guys want to get a little sneak peek of it, you can actually go read the first three chapters for free today before it even comes out at jessiebyerinternational.com forward slash chapters. I love that. And that is going to be such a powerful book. So I'm so excited for you and for everybody that's going to get to read it. And we will definitely link all of that in the show notes as well. So if you want to check out Jessie and find her social and definitely check out her book and all of those things, then just head over to the show notes and check her out there. 
But Jesse, thank you so much. Like I said, I really love this conversation because I think this is just one of those really powerful topics that a lot of people struggle with, a lot of people can relate to. And, you know, definitely something when we were talking before about this idea, I was sitting there like, yeah, I have a similar story so I can relate to this. And, and I know everybody listening has that thing, you know, surrounding shame that they can relate to too. So I just appreciate your time and coming on here and being so open and vulnerable about your story and being willing to share because I know it's going to make a huge impact on somebody. And, and that's why I, I love these types of episodes and these types of conversations because they really are truly so powerful. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I'm, I'm always open to be you know, vulnerable and share my whole story because like you said, it's going to touch someone out there that really needs to hear that someone's been there and made it through. So thank you so much for having me and giving me that opportunity to do so. Well, ladies, that's it for this time. But don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab special bonus content from our guests. I'd love if you could show your support for the show. So if you have just a minute, leave a five-star review about how much you love this podcast. Then head over to femalesonfirepodcast.com and grab your Females on Fire apparel. Get a t-shirt, hat, and more because it all goes to fund the podcast. And don't forget to show off your new swag to all your friends on social media and tag me at Females on Fire and at Haley Luckadoo. I'll be back next week with another great show for you. But until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.